Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. number 19 is we will take our text tonight Psalms chapter number 19 appreciate the spirit of God tonight for the service for everything that's been said and sung for the prayers and I just appreciate the Lord glad to be here Amen. Um, Psalms chapter 19 we'll begin at verse number 7 and uh, read down through the last verse there the law of the Lord is perfect Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous Altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord, thank you for your word. How desperate we are for it tonight. I pray that you would bless it for your glory that you would get the glory, God, from us. Hear us as we pray, for we have nothing to offer but ourselves. We pray for the unction of your spirit, the power and the authority of your truth, and may it abide in every heart, challenging us, that conviction be real and an invitation effectual. We trust you for this, for we have nothing to offer but this, and we praise you for it. We ask it believing as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we have been called the sons of God. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I'm glad that he wrote it down in there. It's that simple. He loves me. And uh, you can't deny the love of God, you see, because he wrote it. (laughs) He put it in his very word. I want to share a thought tonight. And uh, if I had a title, it would be, To God Be the Glory, To God Be the Glory. And uh, as I think about that, I want you to focus. I'm going to kind of drive in reverse again. I, I like looking at the end chapters and then going back and, and then climbing back the ladder to it. But I want to I read verse 14 for you again. It said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Um, I believe the psalmist had a great desire. Having uh, wrote this particular psalm, I believe he had a great desire to bring glory to God. 
And uh, I believe that he did. So much of what the psalmist David wrote and what he did in his lifetime and what we read about him uh, was able to bring glory to God. Now, he wasn't a perfect man, nor are we. And we've all got our faults and our failures. But I believe we was created to bring glory to God. I believe our life is supposed to exhibit somehow or another the goodness of God. And that when someone sees us, they don't see uh, just us, but they see him. And in effect, it brings glory to him because they recognize that God has done a wonder in you. That God has worked a miracle in you. And we have a responsibility, and I want to try to dig in that tonight. But I want you to think about what it means to bring glory to God. To God be the glory. When you think about what it is we want to truly get right in our lives, I wonder how many of us uh, struggle with things that simply the world is looking for, and, and it's not really on God's agenda. There are some things, I believe, that are important to God, and I believe they're precepts, statutes that you'll find throughout the Word of God, and things that ought to be layered in our hearts by the Holy Spirit when He moves and helps us. And when it comes right down to it, you see, what matters is what God thinks, not what man thinks. What matters is what God has required of you, and is that what you're doing? Not what someone else has required or comparing yourself to someone else's life. Does your life bring glory to God? Now, I realize you might think, preacher, that's a fairly high mark, but I believe everybody has an opportunity to bring glory to God. We have an opportunity with our mouth and with our heart to do those very things that exalt Christ and lift him up. I want to start tonight as we build a foundation for that. In Luke chapter number 6, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I believe that every one of us have an opportunity each and every day to bring glory to God. And we can do so with the words that come from our mouth. But it's only meaningful, it's only helpful, it's only measurable unto God if it comes from a heart, friend, that's filled with the love of God to start with. When it's filled with God, not ourselves, not trying to be someone else, not trying to do someone else's job, but that we recognize what God has called us to do, what God has filled us with, we are able then to glorify him, live in a way, tell others, exalt Christ, and ultimately bring glory to God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The Bible said there again, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Now, I'm not sure who you're trying to please every day, but if it ain't the Lord Jesus Christ, I think you've missed the mark. I think we miss the mark when we try to please someone other than God. It ain't wrong to please others. It ain't wrong, friend, to get it right with your neighbor. It ain't wrong to try to help another and to be a blessing to someone else. But when it comes right down to it, if you don't bring glory to God, if it ain't from the heart and something that comes from the Spirit's moving in you, friend, I wonder, have we really brought glory to God? Is it really acceptable unto God? How many of us go through the motions How many of us read our Bibles, but we never read our Bibles? How many of us pray, but we never talk to God? How many of us sing, but we don't worship? 
How many of us, how many of us come to church, but we don't, we don't experience it when we're here? How many of us do things that other people see us do? And it's a blessing for me to see you here tonight. But friend, is what you're doing acceptable unto God? You don't have to please me. That's for certain. But there is one that you have to please. And that's God. I wonder how many of us take this serious. For God sees and he knows the very motives of our heart. God knows why you're here. He knows what motivated you to be here tonight. He knows right now whether you love him, don't love him. He knows right now whether you care, don't care. He knows whether you're hot or cold. He knows everything about you. He knows what you've thought today, what you've done today. God's not confused, nor is he bewildered or disappointed about you. He already knows everything about you. I believe today we ought to just take inventory for a little while and try to figure out is what we're doing acceptable unto God. Now, he has some things he's given us to do, and I'm going to get right to it here in a minute. But I want to start us tonight by at least getting us on the same playing field. Every one of us, friend, are equal at the cross. We all line up to one. And that ain't you and it ain't me, but it's him. And he has to be the one that directs us each and every day. I wonder if we're acceptable unto God. Wonder if our life, wonder if what we do, wonder if our, our works that other people see and maybe you're giving, maybe you're caring, maybe you're loving, whatever those things are that seemingly to the world would be Christian things to do, maybe even considered fruits of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if the Spirit's really in them. I wonder if they were motivated by the by the Spirit, motivated by the Spirit. I wonder if we're acceptable under God. You say, preacher, does it really matter? In the end, he's the only one to be pleased. he's the judge friend he's the very one you're going to stand before and give an account one day it ain't your neighbor it ain't ain't the preacher I can tell you that for sure you're going to stand before God one day and he's going to look at you he's going to open that book and there won't be one thing missing of your life every bit of it will be accounted for right there everything that was good everything that was bad you say preacher I'm not sure that I've done everything to please God I'm certain I'm not But I do know this. I have an opportunity every day that I awake to make certain that I measure up not to other men but unto the standards of my God and that we live in a way that brings glory to him and is acceptable to him. The psalmist said, the words of my my mouth and the meditation of my heart, he said, he said, I want those things to be acceptable to you, not the world, (laughs) not everybody else. I'm not... I'm not putting it out there on display so that somebody else can see it. Uh, when you raise your hand or when you say amen or when the tears fall or when you obey God and just do what the Spirit of God says, that ain't for somebody else to be moved. It ain't for somebody else to be edified. It's to be acceptable in the sight of God by being obedient to his word. Oh, I think we got some ways to go. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of what? Well, if we're to, <laughs> if the very purpose of our life is to bring glory to God, then when we miss it, we come short of it. And, and what, Roman, what the Apostle Paul said in Romans was to remind us that we all do come short. Now, I'm not trying to create a standard that you can't get to. But the Lord God did say, Be holy, for I am holy. Now, he's called us into this that we might exhibit his righteousness in a world that is dark. 
And brother, we're doing that not so the world could see us, but that they could see him. When it comes right down to it, if we could hide behind this desk up here, that would probably be best. What would be more important is that you heard from God and that he spoke to you and that you were experiencing God brought to a place where you, where you were able to give glory to God and be acceptable in his sight. Now, ultimately, it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to be accepted unto God, right? That's the first, that's the first prerequisite. If you, if you ain't been born again, friend, you'll never be acceptable unto God. That's where it starts. You have to be saved tonight. And I don't want to make an assumption that everybody in the building has been born again, right? It may be very, very well be that you're sitting here tonight and you're just lost as can be and you know you're lost. You've never been saved and the Lord's speaking to you. And if he is, I just want you to know tonight, you need to be acceptable unto God. And the only way to be acceptable unto God is to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your heart. Your sins washed away, made a new creature through the power of his salvation and set forth and free unto this blessed eternal life that we've been given. You have an opportunity today to be acceptable unto God, but it starts all with Jesus. We need to be acceptable unto God. Let me read Galatians chapter number 1. For grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the pre- this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Did you know that Christ deserves the glory? <laughs> Christ deserves every bit of the glory that we can give. Now, Most every one of you in here, I've got reason to thank you for something or another. No question about it. A lot of people in the, just just among us tonight, just the ones that are here tonight, uh, there's so many that, uh, that your lives have exhibited such great love for Christ and have made a difference in me and for me. But the truth is, is the glory has to go to God. Amen. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. When it comes to trying to figure out where the praise goes to, where the glory goes to, everything in our life ought to be pointing it unto Christ and him alone because he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Is your life acceptable unto God? Here's what he said in Ephesians chapter number 3. He said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. What he said was is that the glory of Christ ought to be in the church. To him be the glory in the church. You and I ought to be living in a way that brings glory unto God and even in the church, especially in the church. But we ought to bring glory unto God As a church, lastly, Philippians chapter number 2, he said, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everything that we do to exalt Jesus Christ, and I'll tell you, we've never done enough. We've never praised him enough. We've never lifted him up enough. We've never bowed the knee enough. We've never preached enough. We've never shouted enough. 
Everything that we can do to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ brings glory to God the Father. You say, how come? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, the glory goes to God for all that Jesus has done. Well, if the point of you and I, if the existence, if our very existence is to bring glory to God, then how's it to work? If you read... Psalms chapter 19, 1 through 6. If you read the first first sixes, or the first six verses of the chapter, what you'll see is that, that God is saying, or that, that the psalmist is saying that God reveals his glory to mankind, number one, through his creation. And I don't want to preach on that specifically, but I want you to know that, that there are ways that God gets glory, right? And and be careful that you don't worship the creation more than the creator, right? That's sin, right? That is a blasphemy unto God to worship something he made more than him who made it. And yet what we find in Romans chapter number chapter number one, he said, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath hath showed it unto them through the invisible things. And they're clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God can get glory from his creation. And God proves himself through his creation. Do you know when, when, when every soul stands before God, there'll be none able to say, I didn't know. I didn't know. According to Romans, the Bible said he reveals himself through the very things that he has created. The invisible things of God, he said, are clearly seen. And those things make a man without excuse when they stand before God. Creation itself proves to you that there is a God. There is a God. But Oh, people don't give glory to God. Right? Uh, By the thousands, they come into our part of the world to see these beautiful mountains. By the millions, they'll come into, come into this part of the country just to watch the change of the leaves. And they worship the creation. And God never gets the glory for it. Now, I don't know if you understand where I'm going, but that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. I don't care what you're looking at. If you worship it more than the one that created it, you miss the point. You miss the whole point. And so I go back, are we acceptable unto God? Is what we see in creation, does it reveal unto us the power of this God that we serve and love? And are we able as the people of God to truly worship God for what he's done? Are we really acceptable unto God by bringing unto him those things? Oh, we have work to do. But look with me now. I want you to start with me now in verse number 7 as we go through quickly what he truly What truly brings glory to God, not is just his creation, but in verse number seven, you find out that it's his word. His word, I believe, brings the most glory unto himself. His word is what reveals himself unto the most, unto the uttermost, to the very sinner and the unbelieving. His word is the very thing that, that has begotten us, and it's his word that keeps us. And it is his word that is deserving today that we look and we grab and we cling to and we believe and we give glory. Glory unto God when we exalt him in his word. In his word. Look what he said. Look what he said. God is revealed through his holy word. Verse number seven. He said the law of the Lord is perfect. 
He said, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Verse number 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. The commandments of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean, and the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. When you think about it, you can roll all that up into one. (laughs) You know, I studied that and thought it was fascinating that each one of those words, each one of those things, the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the judgments, each one of those are a different Hebrew word. And every one of them means something different in in general. But when you bring them all together, you know what they equal? They equal this thing right here. They equal the holy writ that God left for you and I. They equal the inerrant scriptures of God that are ever forever settled in the, in the heavens. They represent the very truth of God, which is without error and friend cannot be get discounted by this world. It can't be done away with or, or thrown out. Brother, this is the word of God. And according to the word of God, all of these things are bringing glory to God. They bring glory to God. How so? Well, he said, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. Let me tell you something right now. I don't know anything that's brought any more glory to God than when the word of God comes and it converts a soul. That brings glory to God, doesn't it? Oh, how the saints rejoice when we see one sinner come to know him. But all we see there, even in the gospels where the Bible said that when one sinner comes to repentance, that the angels in heaven rejoice. You say, bring glory to God. Yeah, the law. The law of the Lord brings glory to God because it converts the soul. It has power to convert because of its perfectness. The law is able to bring us in and to teach us of who we are and where we fail and how we need this God. The very word of God is able to redeem us and to make us one of his own. God makes his word infiltrate our own hearts that we might bring glory to him. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. But look next, he said, the testimony of the Lord is sure. You say, does that bring glory to God? It does to me. Because the very testimony of God concerning me, the very testimony, you say, what is that? It is the the direct edicts that God has given, the promises of God that apply to you directly. They are sure. You can count on them. You 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 can bet everything you've got on that truth, that the word of God will not fail. It will not fail you. It will not fail me. It will always be true. And the God we serve today, he is faithful. And I'll tell you right now, that brings in glory. How so? Because you and I, I don't know about you, but let me say I do. I am so glad to give him glory today for his faithfulness to me. The word of God is faithful, you see. Not one, not one word of it has ever failed. Oh, how glad that I am that the word of God is sure. And this very truth brings glory to God. I wonder how many of us today... (laughs) When we read the word of God, when our heart and our our eyes come across the scriptures and we recognize the truth of it and the faithfulness of it and the glory that's in it, and when we see the Christ that has made a promise to us that cannot fail and that will always rescue and bring us up out of our, our very despair, this is the thing that brings glory unto God and it's the word that brings us that place. Thank God for his word. The statutes of the Lord, he said in verse number eight, are right. I can tell you right now, he said it rejoicing the heart. 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You say, truly, does rejoicing in the heart come from having the right statutes of God? Listen, the very moment that we begin to line up with the word of God, the heart begins to rejoice. Oh, the Bible said the way of a transgressor is hard. The way of a transgressor is hard. The life of the sinful, the life of the wicked today, the life of the of the disobedient or the prodigal, I'll tell you right now, they can tell you what they want to tell you, but I'll tell you right now, they're not happy. They ain't right with God, friend. They ain't got no joy. And brother, if you ain't right with the statutes of the word of God, you ain't right. And brother, if you are, then you're going to experience the rejoicing in your heart. And when we rejoice in our heart, we bring glory to God. Glory to God. Are we really acceptable? Is our life acceptable? He said in verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. I thought that was an interesting statement. The fear of the Lord is clean. Fear of the Lord is clean. Let me see if we can help understand this by changing it. By not being, by, by not having a reverence for God, we are dirty. That's exactly how it works, isn't it? When we fail to fear God, what happens to our life? We're instantly headed the wrong direction. (laughs) The very moment that we lose sight of who he is, and according to the word of God, he told him, he said, I am truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread that was sent down to them in the wilderness. I'm the very one that you're looking for. I'm the one that the substance that you need. I'm the bread of life. The fear of the Lord is clean. Well, I can tell you this, when you don't fear the Lord, you're dirty pretty quick. Your life gets fouled up so quickly. And the next thing you know, friend, you're not able even in your own heart to worship God. There's probably been days or weeks or months or for some of us even years that our life was not acceptable unto God. It simply did not bring glory to Christ. So think about the importance of this now. What Jesus Christ did at the cross and the very offering that he, through his own death, made possible for you and I. If our life doesn't bring glory to God for that, if, if, if what we do doesn't bring glory to God, what kind of sin is that? The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Surely if we fear God with all of our heart, the Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the of wisdom. If we really want to serve God, if we want to experience God, uh, enduring forever that kind of cleanness, it'll be through fearing God. And how many of us live our lives, we wake up and give no consideration of God at all. We go and do what we want to do. We live how we want to live. We say what we want to say. We dress how we want to dress. We don't, we don't pay any attention to what brings glory to Christ. And in the end, if that's what we were created for, what kind of sin is it that we're committing each day where we present ourselves unto God and not a living sacrifice, not holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service? God help us. He said in verse number, number nine, he said, the judgments of the Lord are true. And righteous altogether. Does that bring glory to God? Yes. 
The judgments of the Lord, a judgment, you see, is a sentence. It is a verdict that is placed on you and me. And the judgments of the Lord, friend, they're perfect. They're true. I'll tell you right now, whatever God, whatever God sentences me of, when I stand before him, I'll assure you he's true. It's true. Nor shall we not live in a way that brings glory to God as opposed to condemnation or conviction. How often is it that our lives simply do not reflect what they ought to by not taking heed to the word of God? You see, the word of God brings glory to him in multiple ways. And I believe that's what the psalmist was trying to get to in verses 8 9 and or 7, 8 and 9. I believe he was trying to express how great the word of God is, how, how many faceted the word of God is. But when you bring it in, it is so good. And everything in the word of God is meant to, is meant to live in you and bring from you glory to Christ himself. Look what he said in verse number 10. Verse number 10, he said, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. He said, as pertains to the word of God, he said, there's not a possession that is any more prized than this. If my life, if the very essence of my life is meant to bring glory to God, I'm going to assure you right now, you'll not get there without the word. And you know what? That makes the word of God more precious than gold. He said, preacher, are you saying that if this was the only Bible there was, you wouldn't trade it for all the gold in the world? What the psalmist was trying to get him to understand is that that it ought to be desired more than gold, not that it is. Oh, that it was. That we really did. <laughs> right? I got, got a bunch of good Christian people here tonight, and you're all nodding your head and saying, Oh, yeah, I, I love it more than gold. Do you? <laughs> you don't even read it. We need to get real about bringing glory. It ain't acceptable, you see. We want to say it's more precious to me than gold. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. And yet some of you don't know where you laid it from one Sunday to the next. Right? It's, it's about being acceptable unto God, not me. Right? I'm not the one measuring you today. I'm not the one that looks into your life and has the ability to perfectly judge you. But he does. He does. And he said all the facets of this book, the law, the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, all of these things that, that are so precious and wondrous, and they're all in here. And the psalmist said, he said, it's to be desired more than fine gold. What, what the psalmist was saying, he said, this thing is worth more than anything else in my life. Is it really? And right, here's where the rubber meets the road. Is it really? Is our lives really acceptable unto God? Do we really bring glory to God as pertains to the word of God? Well, we can say we do. But the real test is, what we do. Are there times when the words from this book become so precious that it's as if it was the blood in your own veins? 
How many times has this book been a comfort just to hold? How many times have you felt the authority of it so grand and powerful that you just want to put it above you? I hope I look ridiculous, Alfred. Because I want you to know that's what the world thinks of this. But there is nothing above this. It is all under it. I have a responsibility to bring glory to God. And we nod and we acquiesce to the statement, but the truth is, is do we do it? David said, look, he said, this, this, this word, the law, the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, the testimonies, the fear. He said everything, the multifaceted wonder of this truth, this holy writ. He said it's to be des- desired more than gold. And he said furthermore, he said it's sweeter. He said, than any honey you've ever put to your lips. Now, I don't know what all they had along the sweet side. Uh, we, we have a lot of sweet stuff these days, and we don't, we don't, most of you don't even eat honey. But back then, that was as good as it got. That was the best of the best. That was the sweetest of the sweet was to get a honeycomb and they'd squeeze that honey out of there. David said, I want you to know that I have found that his law, his statutes, his testimony, his judgments, they are sweeter than honey. Do we, are we really acceptable under God? Some of us discount what this says so much that we don't even do what it says. Say, oh, it's more more than gold to me, and it's sweeter than honey. The truth is, if we don't line up with this, that's not true. There's obviously something more precious than this if that's what we follow. There's something sweeter in my life than this if that's what I pick, if that's what I follow. You see, we get the word. I'm so glad, ain't you? God sends the word here. God sends it. We may not like it, It may be uncomfortable, but he sends it. And what we find out is who really value it and think it's sweeter than anything else by our response to it. So if the intent of God in creating mankind was to bring glory to himself, is that what you're doing? 
But I can tell you, if you're not responding to the Word of God, if you're not lining up with the Word of God, if, if what I read that this psalmist wrote about the Word of God, if that's not effectual in your own life, if you don't know what I'm talking about tonight, you better back up and re-examine whether or not you're acceptable unto God. It's valued, it's prized above everything else. It brings glory to God when we line up with it. I'm just concerned we don't really line up with it. Verse, verse number 11 Moreover, he said, by them is thy servants warned. Listen, if the word of God, if we didn't have the word of God, you wouldn't know what to do and what not to do. And yet what the psalmist said was, he said, hey, he said, you may not like it, but he said, I'll tell you one thing this thing does for me. It protects and it provides. Because when it says don't do this, he means it. There is a warning that lies in many of these pages that if we'll accept them, they will keep us from harm. Huh? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They will save your life. They will protect your home. They will preserve your marriage. They will help you if we will heed to the word of God and recognize that it is a warning to us. But not only is it a warning, but he said it's also a great reward. It's a great reward. Not only does it protect and provide, but it actually it actually rewards me. <laughs> I'm, I'm the beneficiary, you see, of knowing what's in the pages of this book. Let me close. You get to verse number verse number twelve. And he says, Who can understand his errors? And and you know, he's talking about himself here. He said, goodness gracious, he said, I, I've, I've got so many problems. And he, how in the world, I mean, I mean how, many, how many of you have done something just to realize you did the same thing yesterday and repented of, and you look in the mirror and you, and you just want to go, what were you thinking? Who can understand your errors? <laughs> uh, you, you just learned that lesson yesterday and here you are again. Right? Every one of us have been there. Who can understand our errors? Who can understand how stupid we are, right? We just, and yet what he says, look at what he says. He said, but cleanse thou me from secret faults. Right? I don't run around telling you my, my sins. He said, cleanse me, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Look what he said next, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. So in, so in verse number 12, he, he said, this, this pardons me of my sin. This book is what leads me into that place where pardon and forgiveness is found for sin. I need pardon for sin, for my silliness, my, my errors. And, 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 and there's things, you know, you, you do it and you look and you say, why did I do that? What were you thinking and, and, and that's, those, that's those where he says, you know, who can understand our errors? But when he gets into verse number 13, he said, but Lord, I, I, need, you to, I need you to keep me back from those presumptuous sins. Not those, not those sins that we inadvertently commit. Not those sins that likely were wrong, but, 
but partly accidental, right? We didn't want to do it, didn't mean to do it, but we did it. But in verse number 13, he goes deeper and he said, he said, I need you to keep me back from presumptuous sins. Did you know there are some sins that actually dominate you? If you're not careful, there are sins that you willfully commit. That's presumptuous. A presumptuous sin is a sin that you say, you know what, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. That is presumptuous sin. And he said, keep me back from that. Help me, preserve me, prevent me. Uh, In verse 12, he said, pardon my sin. But in verse 13, he said, prevent my sin. Keep me from it so that it doesn't have dominion over me. Listen, there'd been many a Christian went down because sin got dominion over him. A presumptuous sin. That alcohol is a presumptuous sin. Those drugs are a presumptuous sin. That pornography is a presumptuous sin. And here's what I'll tell you about every one of them. They will have dominion over your life if you let them go. And yet, what we find the psalmist saying is, God, help me. Hold back those presumptuous sins. I need your word, he said, to get into my life, to deal in my heart, and to attack those presumptuous sins that may abide in me, hold them back from me, that they wouldn't have dominion over me, that they won't destroy me. He's getting real about sin. Well, he said, he said all of that to say this. Verse number 14. And that's where we started. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you, O God. <laughs> he said, I, I want it to be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. The meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth. Listen to me. You can say the right things. But if it came from the wrong heart, it wasn't acceptable to God. You, we're trying to measure ourselves based on the one sitting beside you, and that's not the measure stick. That, listen, the rule by which we have to look at is, is his word. And the psalmist said, look, creation reveals the glory of God. There's no question about it. God should get glory because of what he's created. But greater than that is his word, his law, his testimony, his judgments, his statutes. All of these things are, are facets of his word that have, been, that have been given to us that will save us. The very thing that, that are sweeter than honey and, and, and more precious than gold the very thing that lives within our heart to pardon us of sin and to even prevent sin. The the psalmist would say, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and its words will I hide in my heart that I... That's the same thing he was saying here. He's saying, hold me back from them presumptuous sins. I believe the word of God can do that. Are we really acceptable unto God? Is our life really bringing glory to God? Well, I think there's a test here. 
right? Because ultimately that's what you're asking me tonight, right? You, you, if, the, if the point is that my life bring glory to God, how in the world, preacher, do I really know if my life is bringing glory to God? You got to go back to verse 7, 8, and 9. And if you don't get those, it's likely you're not bringing glory to God. Because if what the Word of God does in you does not come out of you, right? Because that's how he ended it. He said, I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in my sight, O Lord. Because I know this much. If it ain't the Word of God that is mandating, dictating, ruling inside of me, then what comes from the meditation of my heart and what comes out of my mouth does not bring glory to God. We have an opportunity. Uh, We'll get a verse of a song. But we have an opportunity, I think, every day to bring glory to God. And and, and some of us are thinking right now, you know, I I just need to be better to my neighbor and I need to do this and check that off. And, and, uh, you know, no, listen, if the meditation of your heart is not producing from your lips the very thing that brings glory to God, then you missed it. To be acceptable unto God, friend, is not just something that you figure out. It's something that God has already done. And for you and I to bring glory to God, we're going to have to line up to this book. I don't know where you stand tonight, but if you're not right with God, you need to get right. Listen, if you were created to bring glory to God. And if you're, if you're not in line with the Word of God, you can't glorify God. You just can't bring glory to Him. Every knee will bow one day and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But it'll be too late that day. It'll be too late. As we stand and sing, if you're here tonight and need the Lord, the altar's open. Trust you'll obey him.